This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Carvertize. The holiday season is upon us, and the Carvertize Holiday Swarm Package is now live. Carvertize has helped hundreds of national brands and DMOs extend their messaging to where people live through a fleet of over half a million wrapped Uber and Lyft cars. And you can send those cars to holiday events, malls, sporting events in the key markets that you covet this holiday season. The Rockefeller Rink, the Magnificent Mile, the Mall of America, your brand will be front and center this holiday season with the Carvertize Holiday Swarm Package. To learn more, go to carvertize.com slash swarm. And now it's on to our show. If you're a regular listener to DMOU, you know we roam the halls and trade show floor at Destinations International events asking DMO pros to answer a single question. At the 2021 annual convention, we asked what program added during COVID would end up being a keeper. At the 2021 Advocacy Summit, we asked what new programs were planned for 22. And at this summer's annual convention, we asked what new staff positions were being added that never would have been considered back in 2017. And you can find those compilations in the DMOU vault. At last month's Advocacy Summit in Bloomington, we asked a question regarding respondents' go-to response when challenged that tourism and destination marketing weren't critical to a community's quality of life and economy. Now, my favorite has always been one that I picked up from our friend Barry White at the Chattanooga Tourism Company, and it works for any size destination. It goes like this. When someone says tourism isn't important to your town, take the number of hotel rooms in your destination, let's say it's 2,000, and say to the denier, imagine we're running just 50% occupancy, and imagine that every guest is sleeping alone tonight. That means there are 1,000 visitors here every night, 1,000 people looking for a place to eat, and then you flip the conversation and say, do you think your favorite restaurant survives without those 1,000 people? I've flipped a lot of people with that one. So what are some others? We're going to start this episode with Barry White, who developed another one. Another one from an elected official standpoint, as we figured out what our and the investment in our organization and the expected return, but we break that down into a daily figure as well and tell them uh, if they give us $100 in the morning, we will return $300 to them by the afternoon. So uh, that's the investment we figured out, and it just takes a little creative deciphering of data, but it's all there and it's based on data, so it backs it up. My name is Racine Freedy. I'm with Glacier Country Regional Tourism Commission in Montana. And one of the, the big questions that came out during our Destination Stewardship Project was that instead of resident sentiment, a negative res- resident sentiment being really all about the visitors, we really figured out that a lot of it had to do with new residents moving into our communities. And once we figured out that there's a difference, now we've got to figure out, is that resident sentiment truly against visitation and tourism, or is it against the people that are moving in and impacting the communities on a long-term basis? Al Hutchinson, Visit Baltimore, 
you know, I'll go to right now to, to show the value proposition that we're bringing the city. We did a 10-year uh, report, and it came back that for every dollar spent, the city of Baltimore got $20 back. So we really believe that we are a good investment, and we're going to be sharing that information with our mayor in the next couple of weeks. Dominic Bravo, a CEO for Visit Cheyenne, and our biggest um, kind of results of success is just the proof is in the pudding. So everything we do when it comes to the visitor economy uh, creates new restaurants, uh, new destination uh, hoteliers, uh, just a great place uh, for folks to come visit, and that makes it a, a great place for residents. So it keeps our community vibrant. Holly Flockman, Visit Phoenix. So my go-to would be really to ask um, the mayor to recall what it was like downtown Phoenix when there was, you know, during COVID, when no meetings were occurring and what occurred, the closure of the businesses and such. And that was a direct result of no meetings, no visitation occurring in our city. It was detrimental to the economics of our entire city. I'm Robin Bridges. I'm with Auburn Opelika Tourism in Auburn, Alabama. And if our community didn't have tourism, then every resident in Lee County would owe $600 more a year on their state income taxes. Sergio Piedra from Discover the Palm Beaches, Florida. And, you know, when I think of a DMO and what we do, next time you post something on social media and you want all your friends to be impressed by some wow factor and wherever you live, just remember that's probably not for you. Whatever event, whatever museum, whatever thing is happening in town, whatever great hotel you're going to, whatever new restaurant, it's probably because they want to cater to some tourists. And that's not a bad thing at all. That brings us all cold, hard cash. Ben Roschke, Visit San Jose. Our answer is that in the last year, every dollar we put into B2C media returned four tax dollars to the city. And our city council members believe it. And that's... Yeah, what we take to the bank, literally. Julie Gilbert, Destination Door County. And if our lodging tax went away, the municipalities that receive 30% of our lodging tax fund wouldn't be able to do all of the repair and any essential infrastructure needs that they have, as well as establishing uh, a $2 million tourism investment grant fund this next year where if that goes away, then the municipalities and nonprofits don't have an avenue to request additional funding for certain items that follow the Wisconsin state statute. And two million is a lot of money. Julie Wern with Visit Roseville in Minnesota. We are close to the Minnesota State Fair, so visitors that come in from out of town to the Minnesota State Fair look around, the younger kids are like, wait a second, the University of Minnesota is right here. The college at Northwestern College, Bethel University is here. I like this area. I think I'm going to go to school here. So that helps with higher education, which in turn helps with careers and jobs and possible relocation to our area. Brad Toll with Discover Green Bay. We know more than 90% of people that relocate for a job actually are a visitor in that community first. And as we're trying to help grow workforce, more visitors we have, the more chance we have of finding the doctors, the welders, the nurses, the educators that our community is searching for. Uh, tourism can make a difference with workforce development. Stacy Brown, Shreveport Bossier Convention and Tourist Bureau in Louisiana. 
One of the things I've found in talking with people is when you use the smaller, more relevant numbers, they understand it much better. When you use a big, huge visitor number, I have 3 million visitors or whatever it is uh, per year, they don't really quite get that. When you talk about, um, you know, we have 10,000 hotel rooms and any given night we have 70% occupancy. So we have 7,000 hotel rooms being used by one or more people. That really resonates, and they're totally shocked that that many people would be coming to visit our community. Sarah Brush, Stevens Point Area Convention and Visitor Bureau. Tourism is not a happy accident. Tourism is an orchestrated plan, something that's you know takes a lot of planning, including just a deep dive in your community to find out more about who's coming and what is important to your stakeholders, asking them truly what is important to them and how you can help them grow their business and having that open line of communication. Again, we started years ago with sort of our own uh, sort of tourism master planning, and that has been really instrumental. That means research, that means collecting data, that means communicating with your stakeholders and your partners and and learning what, what drives them and how we can help expand what they're doing. So it's, again, creating that open line of communication takes a lot of planning. Again, it's not a happy accident. It's a well-orchestrated plan, and it takes a lot of partners and a lot of hard work and a lot of research and data and, you know, just listening um, to make it successful. And that's what has, you know, helped us through the years. Hi, Dave Perlow from Washington County, Oregon. So my first thought is that shame on us if that happened to us. So my whole thought is you need to be there before you need to be there. So um, my goal and I hopefully, you know, and my wish is that I have built a relationship with my community leaders, with my mayors and whatnot, understanding what's important to them and have built a rapport and have listened to what's important to them, but also have begun storytelling a long time ago um, because it's so much easier to be supportive and be engaged and help if you have that relationship versus having a, def- a defensive position. Less into answering the question and more in offensively or defensively being ready for when that question comes. Rob Garb, Destination Madison. The funding we receive helps support the hospitality industry, which has 17,000 people in Madison working in it. Without us bringing visitors through meetings, events, uh, leisure travelers to Madison, people who live down the street with you, people who go to your schools, your churches, they'll be out of jobs. There are people here who have careers they've built uh, from ground up to executive level in hospitality, students who are trying to earn money for college, you have parents who are trying to get some extra income for their family. Those would all be deeply affected. It would impact the quality of life here in Madison if we don't have that funding to drive that tourism economy and help out our community. All right. Hi, Gina Gimberling from Little Rock, Arkansas. In Little Rock, our residents really enjoy um, our Robinson Center going to and attending all of our live events as well as our Statehouse Convention Center and various events that happen there. Without those facilities, um, those facilities are funded by tourism tax. So without tourism, we would not have those facilities. Beth Gendler, Gulf Shores and Orange Beach Tourism. 
So my response would be, I would like to be sure there's no confusion about where this tax is generated, and it's generated by the visitor. Um, and 80% of the municipality's budgets are generated by visitor, bed tax, and business licenses. And without our visitors, we would not have so many of the amenities, school systems, infrastructure, 10,000 seat amphitheater, 200 restaurants uh, in our size towns. So we feel like the visitor is very valuable and our job solely is to invite those visitors to enhance the quality of life for the residents that live here. And our budget is also provided by those visitors through bed tax. So my name is Matt Holm. I'm the manager of corporate communications and destination management with Destination Greater Victoria in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. To answer the question regarding how I would handle um, uh, an angry resident, an irate individual, um, there's probably two parts to it. The first, as with um, you know any difficult situation or conversation, is um, to um, meet that person with empathy, uh, to try to understand their their emotions. Any destination marketing organization from time to time will deal with uh, residents that are unhappy. And to, uh, you know, using some language regarding saying something like, we understand how you feel. Yes, this is uh, something we hear from time to time. Um, it is certainly something that, um, you know, these types of situations arise. And whenever they arise, we certainly uh, seek to resolve them and, and understand, uh, understand your concerns. The second piece to that, what I would say is these situations are not common. They do not arise a lot, at least in our destination. Um, and I think the reason for that is because um, we have just come out of uh, a strategic planning process. It'll uh, take place for the next five years where we uh, did very, very robust engagement with uh, our hotel sector, restaurants, attractions, transportation providers. Um, and that was tied to our funding. And uh, in order to get our funding, I believe uh, we had to get a certain amount of uh, uh, hotels in the destination as well, and they had to represent a certain amount of hotel rooms. We were well into the 90s with both very, very broad community support for our strategic plan. And we focused on what the community values, things like sustainability, um, things like um, uh, better relations with our First Nations partners. Uh, I believe housing is in there, the plan for coming out of the pandemic. So having those conversations uh, as part of a strategic planning process and really, really um, broad and deep discussions um, really goes a long way in terms of uh, responding to those types of people because, yes, you're never going to make everybody happy, but if you can make the vast majority of people happy and include them in the process in terms of your planning and where you see the destination going, um, it makes those situations a lot easier. So to sort of tie this all back around, what I would say to that individual after understanding their concerns is um, we just finished a, a, a very broad deep process where we consulted a broad array of stakeholders and the community on how they see uh, the future of tourism in the community in the next five years. And we really incorporated that feedback, incorporated those values, and um, we put it into a strategic plan and we're really concentrating on delivering on that strategic plan. So obviously we want to hear your concerns and how we can maybe build that into uh, the, you know, the good work that we're already doing. Um, but we're going to stick to our strategic plan because that's what our community wants. you got to love Matt's measured and nuanced approach. Empathetically acknowledge and then counter with strength. 
And thanks to all the DMO pros that shared their go-to responses for this edition of DMOU, we'll have another question next year as we roam the halls in Dallas during Destination International's 2023 annual convention, July 18 through 20. And thanks again to this episode's sponsor, our friends at Carver Ties. The holiday season is upon us, and the Carver Ties Holiday Swarm Package is now live. Carver Ties has helped hundreds of national brands and DMOs extend their messaging to where people live through a fleet of over a half a million wrapped Uber and Lyft cars. And you can send those cars to holiday events, malls, and sporting events in key markets this holiday season. So it's the Rockefeller Rink, it's the Magnificent Mile, it's the Mall of America. Your brand will be front and center this holiday season with the Carver Ties Holiday Swarm Package. To learn more, go to carverties.com slash swarm. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find more on our services to the DMO world, plus links to past editions of the Z News, our homepage position papers, the book destination leadership, the biggest DMO job board on the planet, as well as to links to earlier episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.